listening to episode 64 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh Havens. And I'm Chris Lamberth. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that he would help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. Today we have the privilege of talking with Cindy Bunch. Cindy is Associate Publisher and Director of Editorial at InterVarsity Press, where she's worked for more than 30 years. Cindy acquires and develops for the Formatio line of spiritual formation books. And she holds an MA in Theological Studies from Northern Seminary, and she completed her spiritual direction training at North Park Seminary. Her book, Be Kind to Yourself, is a refreshing invitation to release your frustrations and embrace joy. Jesus calls us to love our neighbors as ourselves. But what if we don't act lovingly towards ourselves? We are all guilty of negative self-talk. We say things to ourselves that we would never say to another human being. But we feel justified because no one else knows about it. But if we can't love and take care of ourselves, we won't do the same for others. If God's love is to truly be the driving force in our lives, then we must stop tearing ourselves down with negative self-talk and destructive habits. As Cindy teaches us in this episode, we need to learn to be kind to ourselves so that God's love can fill our lives and bring us joy. If we are not able to love ourselves, then we won't be able to effectively love those around us. Cindy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be talking with you today about your book, Be Kind to Yourself, Releasing Frustrations and Embracing Joy. Um, you know, that's a, that's quite the title for uh, this day and age, especially, um, you, you know, I, I think uh, who doesn't, you know, need to be a little bit more kind to themselves. So, uh, but why did you write the book? Where did this come from? How did the Lord birth this in your heart? Sure. Uh, so I think books probably often start from multiple perspectives or multiple angles. So there are probably a few different things stirring in me. Um, I share in the book a beginning point, um, which was uh, I'm, a, I'm a book editor at Adversity Press, and I was reading a manuscript by Jim and Alan Fadling called What Does Your Soul Love? And I know you've talked with Jim and Alan yep. as well. Um, and in the manuscript, they had this phrase, notice when you are bugged. And the context was talking about how we place ourselves in a state of openness before God and um, that, that that might be a clue about the inner life is you, if you notice what's what's bugging you. And that something about that phrasing really stopped me short. And um, so I kind of made a mental note of that and went on about my workday. And um, but feeling like God was saying something to me in it versus me working as an editor. So I came back to it later and I decided to make it into a question of what's bugging you. And then I made a corollary question, what's bringing you joy? And what I was doing in that was really creating a new way of doing the examine, which is a spiritual practice that St. Ignatius um, designed. Um, and I had tried that practice over the years. Um, the idea, of the way it's taught traditionally is you look at, uh, for moments of desolation where you're far from God, which is generally thought of as sin, and moments of consolation, which are the things that draw us to God, the ways that we know God is near with us. And you do it at night. And so I would try to do that at night. And what would happen is I get on this 
negative mental loop about all the things I did wrong, <laughs> which we need to do at times and confess. Um, but it didn't make me sleepy. Um, so, <laughs> so I decided to try this other, this kind of restatement um, and doing it in the morning. And I found that to be such a productive practice for me. So that was kind of the what rooting practice that was happening in me at the same time thinking about this idea of self-kindness or self-compassion as a Christian. And I'd actually looked for a book on it as a book editor and wasn't finding anything. Uh, it's not been explicitly written on a lot by by Christians. And um, there's, there's some Buddhist books, actually, that are that are that are more known and popular. So I wanted to write, you know, what would a Christian practice of self-compassion look like? So those are some of the beginning points. Okay, that's cool. You've given us a lot to uh, <laughs> dig into and unpack there. Um, so that was one of the things that stuck out to me um, early. Well, you write about it early in the book, but this uh, journaling practice of the examine. So mm-hmm. um, it, listeners of the podcast know about the journal that, that we sell, da- the Daily Growth Journal. And in it, we kind of do the exact same thing. We have our own examine mm-hmm. practice, um, and we but we've changed it up. We we ask those two questions a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you said though, when you were describing it, you had tried it before and didn't, um, it didn't really, uh, stick. So are you saying like changing up those questions that really helps you? And then you don't do them at night anymore. You just mm-hmm. do them the next day. So you do them in the morning for the previous day. That's right. Yes. Yes. So I reflect back on the previous day. Somehow it feels lighter to me in the morning, like I'm already sort of taking myself less seriously (laughs) Um, to just do that little review of the day. Um, It, um, yeah, and it it keeps me from getting caught in sort of a lot of negative thinking about the, the previous day, though sometimes I can still get caught in that a bit. And then just writing down, like I write down number one and number two, and sometimes I write more than one thing. But uh, something about that really simple way of doing it also helps me. And yeah. uh, and, and remind me, you, uh, your first one was what's bugging you because I think that's brilliant. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then what's bringing you joy? Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine though, like those questions, because that so that's the way I've ended up using our journal a lot too. Is because um, sometimes you know you just kind of miss the evening journaling <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, habit or schedule. Um, but I can imagine, though, you're right, that would bring you into a position where if you end, um, or you know, if that's the last question you ask rather than what's bugging you, what's bringing me joy, mm-hmm. it sort of pulls you into the day already with that uh, idea of gratitude. But you're an avid journaler, right? So that's not where your journaling stops. You journal about all kinds of things, right? Uh, you know, I have journaled over the years. Um for sure, but I'm not. I would not say I'm an avid journal journaler. I this practice using this practice has made me more regular with my journaling than I ever have been. I'm the sort of person that often would journal, like when I go on to have a retreat day or something, that I do a whole bunch of writing, or maybe when I'm really trying to work something out or make a decision. But I was never like an everyday journaler okay so so it's been really good for that practice as well yeah i'm sorry I'm, i might just be stereotyping since you're an editor <laughs> a book and, editor and, yeah and when well, you said at one point right your journals are not for anybody you fully yeah. intend on burning them and so yeah. uh, I, I anyway i just kind of maybe uh, have a image of having lots of lots of journals so but that's good to know that's um and that's what i love about those kinds of 
um, prompts that are really simple like that because, uh, you know, for myself, when I would try to journal, I, I hate the blank page. Like I just, you know, you kind of sit there and you're like, what am I supposed to write about? You know, my, my, I, I don't want to just like write down what happened during the day. Some yeah, people like right, that. Right. Uh, I want like purpose and then I want to get in and get out. And so mm-hmm. that's what I love about um, that examine. And your questions are great. What's bugging me? And then what's bringing me um, joy? Uh, who did you write this book for, though? Mm. Who do you want to pick this up and you know take it home? Well, you know that's a very dangerous question to ask an author um, because we all think we wrote it Everybody, for everyone. Yes. <laughs> um, so now that we got that out of the way, um, <laughs> I I definitely was thinking of people that um, in particular that maybe are less familiar with spiritual practices, and I was trying to create a accessible entryway, uh, trying to keep things sort of simple and doable. So, uh, and I, there are lots of practices in the book. I didn't even realize how many <laughs> until I was finished my editor started <laughs> counting them up. Um, and um, so I don't want people to take it as like, I have to do all this stuff by any means. But I, I just wanted to create something that um, would give people lots of options to like grab onto some little idea that, that might just really help them in a ordinary everyday day with God. Mm. Yeah. And and I do, it is for everybody. Everybody should (laughs) go and pick up a copy uh, of this book because it is very, it's very easy to read and there are wonderful practices. And so whether you are a seasoned Christian and you've done all the spiritual disciplines or you are just beginning and you've done none, this book will do something for you. So I I can promise you that. Well, and to even say all the spiritual disciplines. Yeah, I know. I say it (laughs) tongue in cheek. It's pretty funny. (laughs) Well, I think it is important to note though, because so many people get caught up in the they want a rule to follow. They want a mm-hmm. formula that they can follow that they can mm. then reproduce the spiritual growth that they see in others. And so it's like, oh, I'm going to go and study everything that uh, Ignatius, St. Ignatius did and then try to do everything exactly yeah. like him. Or I want to do everything like Francis of Assisi and I just want to I want to live like that. And then uh, they realize, oh, well, I'm living a totally different life in a totally different time in a totally mm. different context. Yeah. Um, I think all the way back to our conversation with uh, Adele Calhoun and mm. her book, uh, blanket on the title now. Spiritual Some, Disciplines Handbook. Yeah, Spiritual Disciplines Handbook. I wanted to. That's s- my book. I wanted to say it was <laughs> something like that, but this is the old edition, but it still works. Um, and you couple the idea of that thing with uh, Richard Foster's um, Streams of Living Water. And, and really, when it comes to pra- spiritual practices for formation, spiritual formation, discipleship in the Christian life, we have to remember that there's not just a single path, which sounds kind of weird. <laughs> we still believe Jesus is the only yeah, way. Yeah, Jesus is the only but way. But each of us are created in a unique way. And for some of us, some spiritual practices will work better than others. Well, and we need them for different seasons of our lives too. And so, and again, that's why I love, I love having these conversations. And this, I guess I'll preface, I was going to follow my question up, but I guess I'll preface it with this. Um, like, I love knowing why somebody gravitates to a practice that they gravitate to uh, when they do, because it says something it says something interesting about the kind of or the time period and the need that you have in your own life mm-hmm. and why a practice sticks out to you. Again, that that was one of the big lessons that we learned from Adele is that, mm-hmm. you know, you simply can look over these dozens of spiritual disciplines and say, like, which ones really appeal to you and that desire 
is the Lord, you know, probably stirring something in your heart here. Um, how did you come across all of these practices that are in your book? And again, the reason why I ask that is because it, I want to know like what you are doing to even come across that many of them to, to then write them down and, you know, include them. Yes. Well, I am, I am very privileged in my work life. Um, the people that I get to work with, including Adele Calhoun. Um, and um, so I, so a lot of it has come through my, through my work, the books I've edited um, conferences that I've gone to. I mean, it's, it is a good 25 years of accumulating knowledge about yeah. spiritual formation and then kind of making it my own. Mm. Um, so, so I think the other thing to say about who will particularly like this book is I, I do do a lot with um, creative and visual um, ways to, to do practices. Um, cause I, because I like that because I spend a lot of time with sitting, reading with screens. And so I like to do things that kind of get me out of my head and um, more embodied or even, art, you know, using some artistic elements. And I've found those to be powerful ways to connect with God differently. So I've particularly searched out those kinds of ways. You know, one of the little ideas in the book is is from Sybil Macbeth, who, who wrote a, um, Praying in Color. Um, and it's, and I call it doodling prayer. Um, where you draw little doodles and then mm. make, you know, put names of who you're praying for. You can make leaves on a plant or, you know, whatever and, and write names. But it's a way to kind of keep your mind active if you tend to have a wandering mind while you pray. Um, can, I, so, can I ask, yeah. how would you define a spiritual practice? What's the, what is it mm. and what's the goal? Good question. I, a spiritual practice, I think, is to draw us close to God. That would be, for me, one of the key things, and that goes back to that thing about desire, that I think God gives us the desire to do the things that, that draw us close to him. Um, and um, But I think there's also a piece of, of growth, of sort of expanding our knowledge of, of God um, th- but through the experience of God in a, in a practice. So your book, just right off the bat, the title, Be Kind to Yourself, um, you, you talk about in the book, right, like each chapter is almost an antidote to ways that we are being unkind uh, mm. to ourselves or being negative to ourselves. When did you first really recognize that pattern in yourself as, a, as something that you needed to uh, stop or end, this like negative self-talk that we are all universally engaged in yeah um w- one of the ways one of the key ways for me has been the enneagram the study of the enneagram and the idea of the inner critic which particularly if people are into the enneagram you know plagues the enneagram one um but it really i think most of us have some sense of an inner critic and so just that concept has um has been helpful to me it's also a concept that you know m- most writers are, are bothered by an inner critic and that could be the whole problem of trying to sit down and write and i, I narrate in the in the book a story about being at a writers conference one time and the speaker said 
you know, some try some writers try to get the inner critic quiet by getting him drunk, and that is not a good idea. It's not a recipe for long term <laughs> success as a writer. Yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so so it's that that uh, probably awareness of the inner critic, and then the opposite kind of you know what what would it look like? What, what does it take to shut that thing down? Why do we have such a hard time being kind to ourselves then? Why is that a mm. why is that a struggle? You know, the interesting thing is that being Christians it would seem should make us all the better at that because we, yeah. we are saved by grace. And um and we know that and yet we do tend to still get ourselves in the on these paths in the Christian context where we get into these doing type you know, so I got it. I get spiritual disciplines handbook, and I got to go through all the disciplines, all fifty in order. You know, and um, and that's going to make me a better Christian. And and at some level, even though we know it's not true, at some level we feel like that's why. And then God will love us. Mm-hmm. It's that, and I I found that in myself too. Um, another key practice that I haven't talked about yet is is uh, seeing a spiritual director. And through seeing the spiritual director, I was starting to unfold some of my like deep inner beliefs about God and what God thought about me versus what I, you know, theologically sort of what I knew was correct about God, um, which is that God is God of grace and, and I confess and God forgives. But instead I, you know, have this other level of, but God expects this and this and this of me, you know, or maybe God doesn't really even like me. So, so uh, spiritual direction um, was another uh, important piece for me. It's starting to uncover some of those God narratives. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'll just shout out just because you named the title of their book, basically uh, uh, Jeff and Sid Holsclaw's uh, book, Does God uh, Really Like Me? And so we got to talk with them and um, you know, you're right. It is, it's, it's, I'm continually fascinated by these seemingly paradoxical positions we Christians are are put in. Um, actually, I, I'm about to ramble here, Josh. I apologize. But, <laughs> you know, maybe it's because there's so much seemingly paradoxical uh, theology that we as Christians are, uh, that is orthodox, like, you know, mm-hmm. that Jesus's death on the cross brings life. And so somehow through defeat, we get victory and all this sort of thing. But um, it, it, it seems to me, it, it's I'm fascinated by the fact that what we as Christians should be the best at, we seem to be the worst at mm-hmm. often. And again, mm-hmm. it's like it's this ability to love ourselves, to to give ourselves grace. And I think that then translates into our inability to give others grace. I mean, yeah. we all recognize that you walk in the church and the church is not as perfect as it should be. Uh, number one, I'm referring to the church as a place. We all know it's a it's a people. It's a it's it's the body of Christ. But we walk into those gatherings and we long for something more. We long for deeper relationships. And perhaps the answer, and what I think you're getting at here in the book, is that we're not going to be able to do that with other people until we're able to really start mm. uh, loving and accepting ourselves the way that uh, Christ says that he, in fact, loves us. This this is, gets back to this core idea of identity that we love so much, and it seems that we never get to escape because mm-hmm. no, learning who we are in the image and, and, and as child children of God is such a core part of our discipleship journey that if we don't get that right, we're not going to be able to do anything else mm-hmm. uh, as we follow him. Well, and there's something that I think, at least from my own experience, I, th- 
hopefully is an encouragement to somebody who who may be in that in that boat. Um, Paul talks about the flesh working against the spirit and the spirit working against the flesh. And I think the presence of a struggle to actually be kind to ourselves indicates that there is a struggle going on spiritually between Mm. who we think we are and who we really are as Mm -hmm. God's children. And I don't know that that struggle is actually present in people who aren't trying to to follow. I mean, sure, it's not that Christians are the only ones who can look down on themselves. Yeah. But we don't they don't measure themselves against the the same kind of Christian standard yeah. that I think we're trying. Like we see, oh yeah, I want to be like Jesus. I've got to be perfect yeah. and so I've got to do this this and this. Yeah, we're literally trying to be perfect as God is perfect. Because that's what the Bible says. That's right. right. I mean, Jesus <laughs> actually said that. <laughs> yep. He was quoting the Old Testament. So it's in both places and we're just <laughs> We're done. <laughs> but I think the the presence of the struggle indicates that we're trying that that God is is doing something in us that is pulling us toward him and it's because those though it's like Paul talks about as well the uh when the when the law came then mm-hmm. my flesh really jumped in. Yeah. Um and so as as we see grace start to come into our lives I think the 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 sinful nature inside of us that's still working on being taken care of and dealt with begins to rear up and push back a little bit harder and so maybe we should be a little kind to ourselves we when we find ourselves in that struggle understanding that the struggle is <laughs> itself part of the part of the growth process that's right that's right i love that i think that's cool um and that brings me, you know, I love to define our terms. You've got joy as the final word in your subtitle. What is what is joy? What are we trying to embrace here mm-hmm. as we, we're learning to be kind to ourselves? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's good, which relates a bit to just what you were talking about. Is mm-hmm. So that this is not a little book about having a spa day and sort of treating yourself to something nice, right? Like yep. the kind of joy I'm talking about is the, the really deep thing um that come from God and and often things that don't cost money it's it's no it's notice it's gratitude it's developing gratitude it's noticing the the nature around you and the lovely gifts of God's creation it's noticing the kind thing somebody in your family did or or your co-worker um it's it's noticing um all, all the the little goodnesses of an of an ordinary day, and those are really the things that bring us joy. And so, the more we write those down and think about those, the the more we can choose those things. Mm-hmm. So it's it's also about you know choosing the things that that really um, bring out that sense of joy, that sense of connectedness to to God and others and creation um, versus numbing out on Netflix or, you know, that kind of a thing, which yeah. we, we all might do from time to time. But yeah. So you said you said write them, them down, uh, mm-hmm. I think at least half a dozen times so far. Yeah. What do you think the power is in writing stuff down? Well, one of the things I ask people to do in the, in the course of the book is to go back and look at them. So mm-hmm. that so writing them down allows you to then see what are the patterns? What are the patterns of what's bugging me? 
Um, and and often, again, going back to the conversation, this sort of more theological conversation we were just having is um, a lot of times what bug, bugs us has to do with control. Things we can't control <laughs> bug us, uh, like people <laughs> and, uh, you know, various events yep. in our lives and so on. And and that's, you know, that's just that old, like, I want to be in charge kind of a thing. So surrender. So it causes back to surrender, you know, and and giving it to God and 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 letting you know being with yeah. with what's going to happen as you know in God's mm-hmm. grace. Um, so anyway, we see those patterns, whatever they might be in our lives, and then we see the joys. We see that what every day, what really is it that that I wanted to make a note of that made me happy, and sometimes that can be surprising or different than than you might expect as well. Yeah, I love that. What's bugging you could be the things that you can. So I'm a type one on the Enneagram. Oh, and, okay. uh, so, yeah, I, I'm going to have to start taking bugging. Uh, you know, th- that's going to have to be my new question because you're right. That it, it is absolutely the thing that whenever anything gets in my way, it's clearly in the wrong. And so it's it's up to me and my righteous indignation to correct whatever the problem, you know, may be anyway. so <laughs> But you're right. I got to relinquish that. And uh, that's a good trigger for that. Um, since you talked, you brought it up, I was going to ask about this because you have a great chapter on social media and, and how to use social media or at least your, mm-hmm. your, your struggle with it. Um, how have you dealt with people or situations that frustrate you? And, you know, I think social media is uh, I don't even know why we use the thing anymore other <laughs> than, you know, we're, we're, we need to promote stuff. But like it's just it's just an angry machine. It feels like most days. And so we just get on there and yell at people. How do you think about that yeah. um, now? So my encouragement in the book is is for people to first of all just to think about it, right? To be to be discerning about um, how it's affecting you, and um, of course, right? We go on it and we compare. I mean, that's what can be one type of problem. We compare ourselves to others, or we just get hooked into people's political views and how they annoy us and um, those kinds of things. Um, and so, um, finding some boundaries that fit yourself and your life, right? Whether it's just letting it go, letting it go for a season. Lots of people are doing fasts from social media for periods of time and, you know, see how that feels. Um, Letting go one thing, you know, maybe Twitter's good for you and Facebook's not or vice versa, you know, so picking the the place that fits. Um, One one story I love that I tell in in the book is, I've, I had a, an old, old friend that I reconnected with and it was really, it was really lovely. And, um, then I started noticing some of this person's comments about, um, a, an issue that I felt really, really important. And it felt for me, it felt rooted in my Christian faith and they disagreed with me. And they were just uh, like, I was about like, it was annoying enough to me that I was going to like cut this person off. I'm like, just go back out of my life. And, but it had been so fun to reconnect, you know, so I hadn't done that. And then one day she showed up and just said, you know, I've been saying a lot of things and I realize not everyone agrees with me and I've hurt some people and I just want to apologize. And this person was a believer too. And, and it was so lovely to see that and such a surprise, right? So I stuck with it. I stuck with this person. And then, you know, I see we all have our moments. We all, (laughs) we all have our awakenings and. Yeah. So, yeah. so I think it's something people have to 
bottom line, everybody has to decide for themselves um, yeah. how to engage and when to engage. And, but the key is, I think, just to be very conscious of it and not just mindlessly, constantly looking at it. So, yeah, that's good. That's good advice. I've had to. I try to engage as little as possible in social media, as you can tell, like from my <laughs> comments earlier. I'm not. I'm not a big social media. Uh, user, um, but I scroll every once in a while, and uh, <laughs> what what I find like is even bad for me is I am horrible at misinterpreting what people write. Like mm. I read it mm. often with an entirely different tone and intent than what they have written. Even even people we've had on this podcast who whom I love and like I, we've had great conversations with, and then I'll see things in their feed, and I'm just like. I don't know why you just said it like that. And mm. like sometimes they'll, you know, do, go Facebook live or something like that. And then they say it and I'm like, oh, well, that makes perfect sense. But it's oftentimes like the exact same message. It's just, you know, when we can hear and we can see the person delivering it, it, it completely changes the the context. And, you know, right. Uh, 90% of communication is uh, body language and tone. So, um, so I think I, I've had to just give people the benefit of the doubt and not engage as much as I might want to, because uh, I think I'm really bad at like communicating my tone even more so like I'll come across way harsher in real life than I need to much more, you know, if I'm just typing some text or something like that. So um, I will say props to you though, because I think in the last couple of months, um, you've come to me and asked, what do you think about the way that they've said this just as a way to kind of check your own thinking about what's going on. And so I think that's a, that's a, another healthy way of understanding what, your tendency is and then dealing with it so. yeah that's cool i've had to break my fingers off a little bit to keep from <laughs> typing but yeah that's good hey jesus said right if it causes you to sin uh break your finger um <laughs> i'm paraphrasing throw away your phone first <laughs> probably, probably should probably should um <laughs> what have you done um to make time in your life for these uh practices you know especially during covid19 and everything uh, life has been uh thrown into chaos. Uh, how have you made these uh, different spiritual formation practices a, a priority for you? Yeah, well, I do want to say that, uh, you know, I am at that point in my life where my kids are mostly grown. We have a college student uh, who, who is back in the house during during COVID. Um, but um, so that makes it easier than in some other stages of life. Um, but that is that is another reason I've tried to make them a lot of them small things. Um, one of the things I learned from my spiritual director that I love is um, to pray, have have th things that you do each day that trigger you to pray. So it was cleaning while well, cleaning the kitchen, doing the dishes, wiping down all the counters that nobody else ever wipes, not being bitter about that, <laughs> <laughs> but, you, you know, trying to flip that and, and use that as a time to then pray for my family. Um, so, so trying to just you know, say, okay, you know, I'm not going to get a full retreat day this week or this month, but I can take a little, little piece of time uh, and, and do something that's meaningful to me. So for me, mornings are important and I have um, been able to carve out, you know, at least a little bit of a time in the morning and have a little routine. Um, I think for some folks, COVID's been a little easier in that we don't have the commute. So for those that don't, um, there can be a little more time there. Um, 
Yeah. So, so I try to give enough ideas that, that people can find the way in, in their lifestyle mm-hmm. that, that works. For me, I do always love if I can get you know, even like a half day on a Saturday to really have some silence and be with God and um, journal, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> read, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah. 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 I enjoyed it when we were working remotely. We're back in the office uh, now most of the time, but uh, it was, it was just, you know, you almost get like two full hours back and not my, my commute's not an hour, but it just feels like in the day, right? Mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. you know, it's just sort of like that getting ready period and, and going and before, you know, I would just like wake up and roll out of bed and head right to my computer, make some coffee and I was good to go. And so it's just a great time saver. But I also love how you talk about in the book, um, you needing to put real boundaries on your uh, work um, leisure schedule mm-hmm. uh, because like uh, I've got a colleague here and he confesses, you know, he actually was working way more during this time. And especially, you know, when he works from home, he works like, you know, it's not an eight hour day. It's more like a 10, 12 hour day easily just because you can get into your emails and you're just like busting stuff out. And so um, I really loved, you know, like you put certain rules in place to, uh, you know, like I think like 5 p.m. You're just like turn off the email. You're done. Not looking at it anymore. Because uh, even if you don't respond to it, some of that stuff will just sit there and stir in your brain all night. Yes. And <laughs> it, yeah, it, it, yeah. Go ahead. That's right. That was one of the things I was sharing about is is sort of not intending to look and then looking at email and then I had to think you know, in my head and kind of ruined an evening and I couldn't even do anything about it. And then I was kind of like you were saying about misinterpreting social media. I was really misinterpreting the email in the first place. So it wasn't really even the problem that I thought it was, you know? So (laughs) yes. So kind of my, the way I think about it is a little bit inspired by monastic practice where they have like the great silence overnight. And Mm. so I do try to shut down the email and not look at it again until I'm kind of all ready in the morning. I've had some time with God and and so forth. So not so many people, I think, you know, you wake up and you start looking at your phone right away. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's important to not do that until I sort of get myself set up with God for the day. (laughs) Then then go look. Yeah, and uh, maybe maybe you need to start. Uh, maybe you need to buy an old school alarm clock or something like that, and keep the phone in the other room. Uh, I've heard of people doing that, and so um, whatever it takes. And so you know, I used to, I do that now. I used to not, honestly. I used to not. I think I started doing it because. Uh, Justin Early talked about it in his mm-hmm. book, and I, and I promise yeah. me just thinking about it ended up leading me to do it. And so, um, but I anyway, I have to struggle now uh, to be intentional about not looking at social media first thing in the morning because it's not good for you. Um, unless you're like bookmarked to, you know, IVP or Daily Growth Discipleship and you're looking for the <laughs> well, latest there stuff. You go. So there you go, right? Um, <laughs> Got to get the newest book that's coming out this week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, what is, I- I'm curious, like what are, what is some of the, f- your favorite practices that you are engaged in uh, like right now? Like, a- and maybe like if you think about the book, do, do certain practices come to mind that you're like, oh yeah, that right there is, is a uh, part of my daily routine already? Sure. Well, I, I will confess that having a full-time job and launching a book is time-consuming. Mm-hmm. We also got a puppy. Oh. <laughs> so I can have a little more identification with the parents now. <laughs> um, so um, uh, the writing – I really have stayed with my writing down, uh, uh, um, the bugging and the joy. And that's really great for me to just stay with that every day, um, doing a little bit of, of reading actually every morning, um, of different, different books. Um, 
And then I love collage so much. It's one of my favorite practices. And I've been leading a virtual retreat group and we just got to that. Um, Mm. And people are sharing their collages that they've made. I just get such a kick out of that. I mean, I am just talking about take a piece of cardstock and look through magazines and you cut out five or so pictures that you're drawn to place the, you know, spend a little bit, this is all done kind of quietly and prayerfully and spend some time with God arranging those pictures and then looking at them, talking to God about them. And it is just amazing what comes out of that. And for me, that's just one of the most sort of fun and life-giving practices. The other thing I've gone back to actually during COVID is coloring. I, I like the, both the doodling prayer and just coloring, um, reflective uh, you know, pages that are that are inspirational, or I think it's something about, especially early on when it all sort of felt kind of difficult and overwhelming. It just coloring was kind of something tactile that I could do that I could handle when mm-hmm. my brain wasn't taking in a whole lot of information. Yeah, yeah, I love people that do like uh, the Bible journaling and the real artistic because mm-hmm. that's not me. Like I'm drawn to it, but that's just not me. I can't do that. <laughs> but one of the things I haven't done this in a long time, and actually you're kind of inspiring me to to do it, is uh, Legos. I love doing that sort of like building with Legos. Yeah. And so I, I think I bought it like a set when I was uh, in seminary. And so sometimes you needed just to kind of give your brain a break, and it would help sort of you know it was just something that you could do. And so I would build with Legos on my desk, and then you know, and then I have to sweep them off, and then get back to typing. And so uh, I might have to pick that practice back up. You could so. take apart your. Uh your Naboo Starfighter. Oh, yeah, I do have one. Put anyway. that back together. In my office, He's I have got a Lego one. set up here in his office. <laughs> so, yeah. That would be a lot of fun. Um, a lot of people don't think that these sorts of artistic or seemingly mundane uh, practices wouldn't have anything to do with spiritual disciplines. But to kind of go back to your uh, definition, it it's 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 making space in our lives that really uh, do, and we can do an activity that draws us into God's presence so that we can just simply be with him. And so mm-hmm. um, I, I don't want anybody to underestimate just taking that time um, to do something like that. Cause really it's not in the doing, it's just in the being with him um, that we're, and we're just using that, that doing that activity, playing with Legos, coloring, uh, collaging, drawing, doodling to create the space and opportunity for us to, uh, be in the presence of God and, and well, hear from him. I got an example. So let's say you're spending time with a friend and you're both doing something very mundane, yeah. like you're on a road trip or something. And I mean, you and I do this kind of thing quite often when we're on road trips. But let's say you're listening to a song or something like that. And all of a sudden you just have to pause the song and you have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And in the conversation that, that follows, it all of a sudden goes from yeah. like a five-minute conversation into a 20, 30-minute conversation. And before you know it, you're talking about, man, I didn't know I was feeling this way about this situation. And there's mm-hmm. a real bonding moment with the two of you in that moment just yeah. because you were listening to a song on a road trip. Well, I mean, the same thing happens as we spend time with with God. It can be the most mundane thing, but it's just the fact that we're doing it together and in that moment, I think the Holy Spirit does some amazing things as we just spend the time with him. Yeah, yeah. that's beautiful. That yeah, is, I think that's, that's, that's exactly it. Yeah. And I should have named walking is is a great one, too, and yeah. which I see so many people doing now because, mm-hmm. you know, we can't go as many places. <laughs> <laughs> so taking a walk with God, you know, yeah. and seeing what you notice. 
Yeah, the other thing is, and, and it turned out to not be this way, especially for my ministry friend or my friends who are in full-time ministry, um, which I was saddened, but I was really hoping that at the beginning of this thing, and I'm talking like like early March and st- when things were starting to first shut down, I was really hoping that this would be a, uh, a Sabbath for the world mm-hmm. and like we could really just be able to Sabbath. And, um, for most of us, it seems that it's made things in life even more hectic and chaotic as we have to, you know, especially now that kids are back in school, we've got to try to figure, you know, figure out what's that like there. We've got hybrid schedules all over the place. People are all over. Um, but I, I do think that this is like, it's more important now than, ever probably in our lifetimes that we need to make a priority for that. And so I think, and and like walking for me has been that. And so anyway, that's how I'm connecting Mm -hmm. to them. It's like, if I can just get out of the house and walk around in my neighborhood and you're right, there are dozens of people now doing that. Um, it's just such a nice time to kind of relax and like, just not be, uh, you know, connected to the chaos, but just be, uh, in his presence and to, uh, and to relax and Sabbath. Mm -hmm. Um, what is the change that you want to see from people who read your book? I love seeing people, you know, sort of unhooking that thing of what, what bugs them, like what's stuck in their brains and, and why. Um, and then noticing, you know, how many ordinary things bring them joy um, I also love seeing people just trying out practices they they wouldn't have tried before, and and you know being surprised by that. Um, and people, because uh, I've got I've gotten to do this a little, I've gotten to do the book a little bit um, with some virtual retreat groups that I've that I've done, and uh, uh, just people noticing how they're not kind to themselves and the the mental loop we kind of got into this earlier that you you figure out you're doing something wrong or you're back in a you, you're back in a pattern oh i've noticed this pattern where i'm hard on myself so then you get mad at yourself cuz you're back in the pattern and then you're just further deeper in the loop right so now i'm judging myself cuz i'm bad at being kind to myself or whatever but anyway just finding people unpacking those loops and, and yeah. noticing, you know, how they're embedded and um, how they can stop and, and be more gentle with themselves. Um, I do think this is an important time for us, particularly to be aware. You know, I think one of the first things COVID did is, uh, is this whole idea that we're going to get all this stuff done. You know, now we're home and we, mm-hmm. we should be able to, you know, overhaul, remodel, clean out and, you know, some people got some of it done, but um, other people were just stressed, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, trying to figure out how to do virtual education and all these kinds of things. And and so it's more, now more than ever, we just need to say, it's a pandemic, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you get a break, you get a pass. Yeah, yeah. Just, um, yeah, yeah. I, I love it. I think your book title says it, but we just need to learn to be kind to ourselves. Yeah. And, and it, it's, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's, it's not a great situation, um, but we will make it through. Yeah. And uh, there, there is, there is hope, you know, even in this situation. And so um, we're definitely not going to make it if we just beat ourselves down. And uh, cause I, like you took that right out of my head, right. Is yeah. the, the cycle like that's yeah. me a hundred percent. And yeah. so um, if I can't live up to it, I'm clearly the biggest failure 
that's ever lived. Anyway, um, <laughs> Cindy, thank you so much uh, for being on the podcast. I do want to say, um, just as we've been talking too, that uh, your book has been so helpful to me, um, and I really want to recommend that people even um, pick up a copy and use it as a morning devotional. Like, I think your book makes a perfect morning. Uh, like that you're talking about that morning reading what it's it, like instead of grabbing your phone and looking at social media man like open this up take a few minutes read one of these chapters again they don't take long you'll get some something really encouraging and then i believe like the spirit is going to do something in your heart because you're going to find a new way uh to appreciate the world around you appreciate and see god for what he's doing and be a little bit uh, more kind to yourself. So uh, anyway, I just want to say that. Uh, so well, thank, thank you, for the you very much. I appreciate that. Very Where curtain. can people go to get it? <laughs> they can go to ivypress.com or amazon.com or Christian book distributors, wherever they would like to go. And if you want to go to Cindy bunch.com my website you will find a free retreat guide for like sort of a longer format reflection with some scripture study as well as um, a group discussion guide so great and we will link to all that stuff in the show notes as always guys so you can go down there um click on that and then get connected with what uh cindy's doing because uh yeah it's awesome (laughs) oh great so again cindy thank you so much i want to give you a moment if you want to give a last word or final call you don't have to i just sometimes uh think it's good to give the i guess that opportunity well thank you i i it's been delightful to to talk with you both and um yeah my my word to folks is to be kind to ourselves be as compassionate to yourself as christ calls us to be to our neighbors and um, knowing that one thing is very much intertwined with another. And as we grow in our own self-compassion, we'll grow in kindness towards others. How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And we have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship. And the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Cindy's work, check out cindybunch.com. If you like what you've heard this week, give us a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast player you use. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Spotify.